Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here, just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly, that's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello friends, Adam from Monkey Tennis here. Before we get on with the last in the current series, we've got some very exciting live news. As regular listeners will already know, we're going to be celebrating and dissecting Knowing Me, Knowing Yule live at the Prince Charles Cinema in London's Leicester Square on Wednesday, November the 22nd. What you won't know, some exciting news that came in since we recorded the rest of this episode, is that we're going to be joined by a very special guest. Mr. Simon Greenall, who you will know as Michael the Geordie, will be joining us on stage to talk about the life and times of Michael and also his experiences recording I'm Alan Partridge and the Alpha Papa movie. We're very excited to have Simon involved. Tickets are on sale now. You can get them at postpoppodcast.com slash monkey tennis live. Do not wait. We're very excited that Simon will be joining us in November and we look forward to seeing as many Alan enthusiasts in one room as is humanly possible. Uh, for those of you that are a bit scared about Simon turning up, don't worry. We've told him, as he knows, he cannot hit the customers. Hopefully see you then and roll VT. Hold on to your sides and get ready to raise the roof. It's Joe Beasley and Cheeky Monkey on tour this summer in association with Monkey Tennis. Fresh from a sellout tour of Bournemouth's Ho Seasons Holiday Park, you'll laugh like a drain as you experience the hilarious world of Joe Beasley and his cheeky comedy sidekick. So don't you forget, you cheeky monkey, to book your tickets now for the side-splittingly funny Joe Beasley and Cheeky Monkey. Always a cheeky monkey. Yabba dabba do. Monkey tennis? You better believe it, babe. There's a new chat in town. Monkey tennis? Ice white shoes, ice white socks with navy blue double cadet strong. Aha! Monkey tennis? I've just been told that Roger Moore is at Chiswick Roundabout. Monkey tennis? Oh, what the heck? Rock and roll, it's all of a pair! Monkey tennis? Yes, I am in a jacuzzi sipping spunt. Alan, 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 Alan. And on that bombshell, monkey tennis? Hello, great drain pals, and welcome to the last in the series, this current series of Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. Uh, I'm Adam Brooks, and I'm joined by Tom Dark. I've got a life. Why don't you go get one? Nick Holder. Cheeky Monkey. And Tom Stab. Hello, lesbians. <laughs> uh, before we go any further, I just want to remind you that we will be doing Monkey Tennis Live on Wednesday, November the 22nd at the Prince Charles Cinema in London. Uh, last year, we did something similar, which sold out well in advance. So please do get your tickets while you can. To get hold of them and to get more details about what that show involves, uh, go to facebook.com slash thepartridgepod or twitter.com slash thepartridgepod. We're looking forward to discussing Knowing Me, Knowing Yule in great detail with you. 
And if you need any extra incentive to be at that show, uh, there will be a performance opening the show with the um, Adam Brooks Playmates. Oh, <laughs> fantastic. So yeah. don't miss that. It's going to be hot. That sounds terrifying. And I hope yeah, everyone takes it as a genuine promise. <laughs> uh, so this is the final show in the main series of Knowing Me, Knowing You. Uh, it's, well, it's, a highlight, it's a highlight, isn't it? Absolutely. I kind of wonder behind the scenes, though, were the commissioning teams having crisis meetings about the state of this series, what they <laughs> needed to do with Alan, what the plan was, <laughs> how do they let him down about the well, disaster? Well, I, the show's I would imagine they were not best pleased, but thinking probably we've commissioned a series of six and one special, and then we'll leave it. Picture but, of a Spitfire, <laughs> go on your way, Alan, exactly. never mm. to be seen again. If you think about it, if if we took this universe as real life what do you mean I'm, yeah I mean, it's not if, okay fine if. right okay fine i'll go with it um surely these series the viewing figures if anything would have gone up because people would have heard how badly these shows are going yeah if, you'd, if it was if it was now you'd have these clips on youtube that would be going viral it would all be viral yeah. the ratings would be going through the roof rather than going down so he was just i know ahead, i tune in he was just ahead of his time he was ahead of his time yep, yep. um he's uh, he clearly at the opening of the show he already knows he's going to be replaced um you can see there's actually a bit of genuine distress on his face when he does the opening aha <laughs> i think he he already knows, he knows the writings on the wall did anyone take a note of how he enters the stage uh for this episode i haven't actually no i haven't uh this week it's he mimes a dynamite blast but oh, then you yeah. have an actual special effect of <laughs> yes. an explosion behind Bang him and smoke they, they've puff really la- flashbang yeah they've yeah. really laid the budget on for this uh, last episode presumably a bit of cash left over that he doesn't yeah. want the bbc to crawl back <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> to be fair the budget has been laid on throughout the whole series they've installed yeah, a jacuzzi true. then they've taken it out they've installed <laughs> the fountain then they've taken it uh, out well he did say that in the first episode uh, lots of money being spent on expensive items wasted and did anybody notice the Kimkiwap sign this week? Yes, he's insisted they've added. Oh no, sorry, I've got the the, the extended theme. He's insisted they add with Alan Partridge. The, that's the true. At the end yeah, of it. that is true. Uh, oh, so is that not there before? No, no, because you have the with Alan Partridge at the right, end of it, yeah. which they haven't done in any yes, previous right, weeks. Yeah. Um, but with the sign, I think they, I think we might have discussed this that um, the production team they said in the uh, commentaries that. Uh, his name on the sign at the back of the stage gets slightly larger each week. And in this final episode, it's actually illuminated as well. <laughs> how's he negotiating that, though? The shows aren't going particularly well, so how's he able he's to He's got budget to burn, it? and he doesn't yeah, care. He's very on that personal I, brand. I reckon he will have gone rogue and done it himself and got some work experience runner to put yeah. it up for him. Well, we do know he was the exec producer, so... He does wield the power. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's probably a co-pro with a Pear Tree Productions, isn't it? So <laughs> yeah, I yeah. doubt the BBC Fair can enough. do much about it. Um, is it at this point that the uh, his dancers are out there with the uh, Alan Partridge face masks? Yeah, the Alan well? Partridge playmates. That's um, Yeah, basically it's Dynamite Blast, aha, and then out they come. Out and they it's, come. it's equally incredible and terrifying. It reminds me a bit of Aphex Twins video for Window Lifter, <laughs> for anyone that's ever <laughs> seen it that. It is a bit yeah. like that. Yeah. Lots of people wearing a sinister face. <laughs> Did you recognise those masks from uh, future Partridge episodes? Oh yeah. Uh, well, Jed, Jed Maxwell, Maxwell has one, doesn't he? They're the same yeah. masks. Yeah. Uh, and I, I feel like Coogan was loving this as well. Just like <laughs> loads, loads of dancers cavorting around with them for a few rehearsal days, etc. Yeah. When yeah. they finish the routine, he's got a massive smile on his yeah, face. Yeah. He looks like he yeah. absolutely loved it. To be fair, the routine is very good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it, it's impressive, but like I say, it's also quite scary. He's uh, still he's still trying to make hot happen <laughs> at this yeah, point. Yeah. Uh, I do have a note from the commentary. Um, they did actually, uh, so Rebecca Front and Dean McCain were kind of joking about, uh, Coogan did quite like the dancers. They're kind of implying he was a bit of a ladies man. And they went on to talk about, they used to get Coogan to just try and chat people up when he was in the full, um, Alan Partridge gear, because once he had the clothes and the hair and the makeup done, um, and then he'd stay in, kind of stay in character, at least he'd have all the, um, aesthetics of it, but he'd kind of forget. So they'd kind of cajole him to like, oh, you should go and chat up that dancer or something. And he'd forget that he basically looks like an absolute ruddy idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, has anyone made a note of what Alan's uh, face mask was designed to do and what it wasn't designed to do? Um, yes, I know that it, it was designed as a leisure accessory. <laughs> correct. Have uh, you got a note of what it was not designed? I for? mean, I can. Oh, was I it can, to like I can Rob guess. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. to rob, maim, pimp, ram raid, <laughs> smuggle, stalk, or peep. <laughs> there are a few other crimes that you're allowed to commit in the mask. Then, under that basis, yeah, it, it, it appears limited. to be only limited to those. Yeah, you can burn, for example. Yes, yes. you want. Yes. Uh, is fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this week's chat pun from Alan is uh, Chapmandu instead of. Katmandu. I like that one. That's yeah, good. Is that, I, I, I like them all, actually. I do love a pun. And so his um, his face masks have obviously been misused to uh, 
what is it, Robber Bank? Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, specifically yeah, gunman, the, uh, the NatWest in Corby. Yeah, masked gunman wearing my rubber face uh, burst in and ran off with £15,000 in a copper-coloured sports holder. Ooh. Easy for you to yeah. say. <laughs> Bonus fact, there is a NatWest in Corby. That bit's true. Uh, my end's Northamptonshire. Uh, Never uh, been there. Been uh, the horrible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Full of bank robbers. <laughs> uh, Glenn's band has the, the somewhat prescient name of Bangkok this week, uh, which is what leads me to think that maybe Alan does have a hand in choosing the band names because uh, yeah. his obsession yeah, with Bangkok uh, goes yeah. way beyond this show. He is obsessed with the uh, Bangkok chick boys, isn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got uh, the hydraulic platform for his chat with, uh, with Ben Bonder yeah, as well. Yeah, in episode one he's craning his neck, but this time he's like, <laughs> didn't occur to them to just have the mezzanine a bit lower, did it? Like, <laughs> and it's it takes so long for him to go up on that platform <laughs> to chat, and especially as soon as Glenn mentions he's got a boyfriend, obviously Alan's horrified, he's like, take yeah. me down, take me down, <laughs> and it takes so long he jumps off about halfway. It makes you think, was that? Do you reckon that that feature was already built into the stage and has been there for the entire run of the series, or do you reckon it was done just? No, for I, no think I think no. it's a special build. Yeah, yeah. I think it's blowing the budget on the vinyl yeah, episode. Right. Yeah. yeah. Also, it doesn't look in any way glamorous, does it? It's very much a piece <laughs> no, of it's construction kit. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So he obviously f- he finds out that, that Glenn's gay. Bit weird that he's never had enough of a conversation with Glenn up to this point to discover that Glenn's. But gay. I think that's very in keeping with the character. I'd imagine Glenn's probably dropped loads of really obvious hints, or possibly even essentially told him, and Alan's kind of ignored it because yeah. he just doesn't want to know selective hearing yeah exactly yeah glenn does uh, kind of extend an olive branch though and uh, asks him around for dinner uh alan's not interested she says no. you sure we'd love to have you uh, <laughs> no i really wouldn't be interested <laughs> although if i was glenn ponder when i'd been fired two weeks ago yeah. i wouldn't be inviting yeah. him around for dinner although that has resolved itself by this point well I guess. no there's still a pending tribunal yeah it's just it's just that he can't be kicked off this series maybe he's hoping he can use that as a negotiation tactic over oh, good point uh, we're trying to butter him up yeah. Yeah. absolutely um, Alan introduces first guest by singing the Pearl and Dean theme tune but I notice he gets it wrong by adding, <laughs> yeah. a, adding an extra note to the end uh, his guests are not called Pearl and Dean but they do have a connection to cinema that was entirely unnecessary to say I think yeah. people would have made the leap between <laughs> the Pearl and Dean theme and two Hollywood directors so uh, yeah the guests are it's Scott and Dean McLean uh, child filmmakers any thoughts on who they might have been based on in real life if they are uh, no, there the, were there were child stars, obviously, but there, I can't think of any like child I mean, directors and writers. No, so. I mean the only thing I thought was maybe kind of like Macaulay early Culkin. to mid nineties was Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, these kids are immensely brattish, so I, I don't I don't know if there's any other insight into who they're based on. But yeah, that was the only thing I could think of. Might just be funny characters. I like that it he could uh, be. Could it could be. be. I like that he tries to bond with them by saying "yabba dabba do." Fun <laughs> fact for you: the last episode of the Flintstones was broadcast in 1966. <laughs> uh, did anyone notice the song that they come out to? It's uh, "Does your mother know that you're out?" Oh, by yeah. Abba, which I think is yeah. a nice touch. <laughs> yeah. That's I great. Love that, that song. That's a nice subtle gag. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's super patronising when, when clearly they obviously have a higher status and earn a lot more than he does. And I'd say that again, they kind of outwit him. Um, even though they are considerably younger than him, well, they assault him as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they beat him, him, him. Yeah. They, they beat him to a pulp on the floor. <laughs> yeah, but, they are, <laughs> but they build to that. They don't start with it. That, that's no, a build. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're quite shitty to him, aren't they? I would, yeah, they I would say they everyone gives as as well as they get in this. Yeah, I mean to be fair, I think these kids are shits. Well, there's kind. Of, I guess it's a mix of the guests are either incompetent uh, or they're just or the rude. presenters incompetent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think kind of they they're just not interested in talking to him. They clearly don't like him in the first place. But he is, oh. as you say, so patronising to them as well. It's just it's not yeah. going to end well. He does try to get them uh, to to sort of uh, win them over by getting them a Batmobile toy. <laughs> <laughs> only, only, only one though. Yeah, only, only yeah. one. The other one gets a mask. Yeah, <laughs> only to find out that uh, Tim Burton's bought them the actual Batmobile. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, and then that that sends him off on a bit of a nostalgia trip, talking about uh, when he was younger and he just used to have a uh, a, ba- a sort of uh, I don't even know the name for it really. Like a, I guess it's like a, like a bat and swing, ball. Swing yeah, ball. like yeah, like a bat and ball, but it's connected by a by a little bit of rubber or cord, isn't it? So it bounces yeah, back. Uh, in the bat and ball world, he says yeah. it was state of the art. Um, and then uh, he goes into the story about how it was uh, taken away from him and thrown in the canal. Still hanging on to the injustice of that. Some yeah. sort is of that when he's talking about it, Stephen McComb, the school McComb. bully? Yes. Now, is that is Stephen McComb the school no. bully in I Partridge? Is that consistent or no, not? I thought you were going to talk about Michael when uh, he... The one oh, that no, he bumps um, into and he's exchanging the toaster at the beginning of I Partridge. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. Shall we fact check? Let's, Let's do fact a fact check. check. Adam to the fact cave. <laughs> 
so I've returned from the fact cave. Um, and uh, yes, <laughs> Stephen McQueen was the childhood bully of Alan Partridge. I'll just quote you briefly from uh, the Scouts and Schooling chapter of I Partridge. McCoom, let's not bother with first names, was, and I'm sure is, a grade A dumbo. He could afford to lark <laughs> around in class, so certain was his fate as a manual worker, the kind he'd never have cause to rely on school teachings unless it's for the tie break round of a pub quiz. McCoom doesn't ju- didn't just squawk smelly Alan Partridge at me a few times. His was a campaign of petty abuse that was awesome in its length and breadth. So there we go. <laughs> uh, the Stephen McCoom character is very consistent in the Partridge uh, timeline, actually. So you can still access the original BBC Partridge website. Uh, so it has been archived and is no longer yeah, updated. Yeah, d- yeah, it does. does <laughs> um, so there is a page, Alan Partridge, boy to man. And the opening paragraph of that, it says, Alan grew up in Norwich where he had a troubled childhood. He was bullied at school, especially by a boy called Stephen McCoon. Alan spends a great deal of his young life walking alone in the woods near Swatham. There he practiced bird calls. There's also a link to Stephen McCoon, but that just doesn't go to anything because <laughs> discontinued. Very old. Um, yeah. So right, we're out of the fact cave. Back onto the episode. So the two kids that play uh, Scott and Dean, uh, Danny Waters, I think that's pronounced. Uh, he plays Scott, and Richard Claxton plays uh, Dean. There are two shows on their IMDb pages that they have both been in. Can you name what those shows are? Can you guess? Grinch Hill. No. Is it is it another comedy? Kind so, of no, no. So we have mentioned these shows a lot over the course <laughs> of the Doctors, <laughs> The Bill. Casualty. The Bill is one, yeah. Casualty is the other. Ah! <laughs> I just love it when Alan loses his shit with the kids as well. It's, it escalates so quickly, and then to him just shouting at them when they say to him, why don't you get a life? Him saying, I've got a life, why don't you get go get one? He's absolutely stick to their level. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and they are loving it. Um, one quick mention of Know Me Knowing You, the radio version, there's a sort of equivalent scene yeah. where he basically is upstaged by a child prodigy, uh, but then defeats him in an argument, making the boy wet himself. Well, yeah, but doesn't he basically slap the kid around the head or something? Right, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Um, and that, uh, that child prodigy character was actually played by uh, Dean McCain, and they had a genuine complaint uh, because a listener thought it was real which is quite <laughs> oh, brilliant i can read that letter out here um again it features in steve coogan's autobiography easily distracted uh, available in all good bookshops and uh, some rubbish ones yep. publishes it. <laughs> century never heard of them. always the same um yeah so and also i love this coogan says he has the letter framed in his downstairs toilet brilliant so december 9th 1992 dear mr yanucci i was appalled by yesterday's 6 30 p.m alan partridge broadcast if this is the level to which radio 4 has sunk the bbc is in need of real help the simon fisher interview that's in inverted commas mm-hmm. was tasteless and cruel Partridge's only means of countering the intellect of a quite exceptional nine-year-old child was to ridicule him and then apparently after striking him reduce him to tears. It ended with Partridge calling Simon a little shit. Um, the Swaylo hypnotic segment gave Partridge a, f- a five-minute opportunity to tell listeners on countless occasions that at school, and having heard him, I was surprised to learn he ever went to school, he was nicknamed Smelly Alan Partridge. How very entertaining. At this stage, I switched off. Of all the communication media, radio is my first love, and I usually have a high regard for the standards set by the BBC, but this example of witless drivel presented by an individual who gives me the impression of being verbally uncontrollable has greatly concerned me. I hope Sir Michael Checkland and Michael Green both caught the programme and share my opinion. Please let me have your comments and copies of this letter. I would make the same request of them. Uh, wow. So, yeah. <laughs> that is Who's that from? Does it, say who it's from? it doesn't say. Uh, I assume no, it doesn't, he doesn't, say it's from. doesn't name them. So, you would assume that that person had tuned in and not listened to an episode before, so obviously didn't know what it was, just tuned in by mistake and heard a child being assaulted and wrote a complaint letter. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know at the time how Radio 4 would have advertised it if they kind of did spoof adverts for it as well, perhaps. Mm. Um, but I think that episode. That was episode two. So yeah, maybe they, they missed uh, the first episode okay, and yeah. just thought it was real. It's like when they put War of the Worlds out on the radio and everybody thought aliens were really <laughs> Yeah, isn't it? it's exactly like that. Alan Partridge, yeah. Orson Wells, you know, they're in the same bracket. Yeah, sure. yeah. uh, so back to the show, uh, the two moguls are now giving Alan advice and offering him a screen test, uh, which he <laughs> oh, eagerly accepts until he finds out that they don't really mean it. Oh, oh I know. <laughs> Poor Alan. Can't get a break. Um, I also found out at this point that he is three times as old as them, but they're 50 times as rich as him. <laughs> <laughs> at, this, uh, at this point, does it, when does it descend into fisticuffs? <laughs> <laughs> and also, do remember that they uh, say that Alan's breath is gross. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. like going on about his bad breath. <laughs> Classic playground yeah. tactic. He's yeah. taking it at face value. Yeah. It's like something's died in your mouth. Nothing has died in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any more on these two? Alan lays the smack down. Uh, I've just got a note here saying these kids are in rehab now, aren't they? If they're in real yeah. life, they've yeah. grown up, they're in rehab. Yeah. 
in in the script, does it go, kind of go into any detail about kind of who throws the first punch, as it were? Uh, Nick on the spot, uh, a new regular. Uh, <laughs> no, although Alan does just say, "Oh God, God, get security! <laughs> they shouldn't be doing this." Alan, Alan tries to stand up. Scott and Dean trip him up. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant, and it's just absolutely classic <laughs> play, said, playground. He, he says, "You should be in a bloody borstal." <laughs> A borstal. <laughs> a borstal. <laughs> so Alan brings out his next guests. Plural. Plural. Uh, lady lesbians, as he describes them. <laughs> Although before that, he, he poses the question, women, what are they? Great question. Well, I Who mean, knows? I'm not surprised that, uh, that, it's coming, that question is coming from Alan. To some women, you can say, that's a nice dress, or would you like to have dinner? But with other women, you have to keep your distance. (laughs) That's Alan's summary of women. Unbelievable. Yes, the the two guests are Wanda Harvey, played by Dean McCain, and Bridie McMahon, played by Rebecca Front. Or should I say, Brady McMahon, as Alan continually refers to her throughout the show. What's the sort of diddly-dee bit all about? I don't know on this. The song that he sings. I don't get it. And he he does it a couple of times. Nor did I, but I've done a bit of of research, uh, thankfully. And it's uh, a song, Two Ladies from Cabaret. Oh, okay. So, uh, if, if you don't know what that is, though, this bit is a, a bit strange. Yeah. It doesn't make much sense. But I guess that's always I guess thing watching it, I was like, oh, it's clearly from something. Yeah. I just have no yeah. idea what yeah, it yeah. is. So, uh, yeah. shall we hear a little bit of it now? We'll drop a little bit in here. <laughs> That is a stone cold banger. <laughs> in exactly. Way. Let's just put, put a donk on it and off you go. <laughs> so uh, the two guests are here to talk about their new show, Off the Straight and Narrow, which is going to be replacing Alan's show. Uh, he's been forced to have them on. Um, I had a quick look into whether there is an Off the Straight and Narrow in real life. Uh, it came true. There is a 1999 documentary on the depiction of gay men and women on TV since the 60s. It has two reviews on IMDb. So depending on who you believe, it's either a very well-made film or very little celebration from a bunch of crybabies. <laughs> <laughs> Could go either way then, yeah. Yep. So, is it appropriate that Alan's first question is, what's it like to be a lesbian? Absolutely not appropriate. Yeah, no. but in Alan's mind, that's totally yeah, fine. Yeah, that's an absolutely yeah. legitimate question I mean, to ask. He's I'm just sure, curious. Yeah, he can't imagine how anything else he could possibly ask first, yeah. can he, above that? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's interesting because, as, as you say, like it's so inappropriate for Alan to ask that as a direct question. But this sort of thing where Alan, he's not that liberal-minded, but he kind of thinks he is. He thinks he's a lot more right, liberal-minded yeah, yeah, yeah. than he is in reality. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, so Miguel Wilkinson, who runs an Alan Partridge uh, fan group on Facebook called Bouncing Back, um, yeah, he... he kind of sent us a message the other day he's kind of saying he thinks it's interesting that a lot of people seem to think alan's a bit of an anti-pc hero but mm-hmm. i think that's all alan being un-pc is all just kind of accidental yeah, he always he's, thinks he's doing yeah. the right thing yeah but he's aiming he just, for yeah but he just never does the right thing in the end yeah and understandably bridie um will basically says to him you can't expect me to sum up the experience of millions of women in a kind of media friendly soundbite and then alan just <laughs> says well if you could if you could <laughs> <laughs> I think we also missed when he introduces them, he says, I'm talking about those women who, until the last century, were confined to the island of Lesbos. Yeah, we've also missed the uh, nest of gay vipers, but I think we should probably move on. Don't wanna, <laughs> I don't want to get bogged down in we that. We don't want to get bogged down in it. Um, the costume that they're in, uh, do you not think that's a little bit homophobic slash prejudiced in itself? Like uh, what they've chosen to dress these characters I don't in? think so. Um, I think it's of its time. I don't think that's in any way intentional. Mm. I th- well, I, I think you're right that it is of its time, but uh, but then also I think Adam's right in terms of they've kind of drawn for quite stereotypical uh, character dressing. Yeah. But then I think if you look at most of the guests throughout the series, it is all done quite stereotypically. Like yeah. the way the way they dress, like the East End gangster, the East End gangster, uh, yeah. or the Max Clifford alike, yeah. or the Hollywood couple. It's I think all a bit they're making yeah they're making pretty obvious signifiers yeah. with how they're dressing the characters. I think yeah. so. I, I think it's fine. I don't think it's offensive. Fair dues. Unlike um, Alan. Yep. Another uh, another fact that comes up I, I thought was quite interesting is that their series that obviously is replacing Alan's is going to be 24 weeks long. <laughs> so four times. Yeah. And yeah. I, I mean, would their show feasibly have replaced? I, 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 I'm not I sure assume, this is a 9 p.m. BBC the, Two show. I, but I assume, as we've spoken about earlier, where there were crisis meetings in the commissioning department, they would <laughs> desperate, to fill the airwaves or something for anything that yeah. wasn't um, this. I also think this is a bit of a joke about kind of BBC Two style programming, isn't it? 
Yeah. So Alan, like we talked about a few weeks ago, in Alan's head, he thinks he should be basically Terry Wogan on BBC One, yes. mm. but he's actually late night on BBC Two. Vying <laughs> for point, slots. Yeah, with, to yeah, the point yeah. where his slot is taken over by a lesbian-themed yeah. chat show instead. Yeah. Right, I see. That we assume BBC that Alan two. can't get any worse with uh, insulting lesbians, but the good news is he does. He's <laughs> <laughs> he talking about the list. Yeah, does he anyone can want to cover off the list? lower than you think. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Nick, talk us through the list. Well, if so, I mean, essentially... Um, uh, Alan reels off a name of uh, slang expressions for um, lesbians, which include, and uh, he starts with an, uh, lesbos, <laughs> lesers, lesby friends, dykes, bull dykes, <laughs> dick van dykes, spare rib ticklers, uh, cat flaps, <laughs> pussy right. foot, pussy footers, knicker pickers, men, uh, <laughs> backpackers, tent peggers, trout fishers, melon farmers, quick fit fitters, baggage handlers, lift luggage. <laughs> He's running out of breath then. Uh, <laughs> that list has that list has all the hallmarks of a bunch of like giggling grown men hunched around a table. I mean, I didn't that, try and account. I didn't like, find it was just there. The good news is I didn't find that funny. That is uh, <laughs> that, that is essentially what happened. I think they said that they kind of had that list up in the off- in the production office and they just kept on adding stupid names to <laughs> it as the series I, went I, along. I like to think that essentially Alan's just writing that list in the production office himself. You know Alan's Alan, not real. Giggling away. It is. This is a... Rec- <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is that in the genuine production office yes. they had a list okay. they kept well, on names I wasn't to. talking about I meant the, you know, yeah, because the guests the guests office. refer to him coming up with yes. this list yeah. in the production yes. office. Uh, okay, oh, I thought it was like I thought you were going to say the fact that he opens with a uh, he's, these are straight off the top of his dome. He's <laughs> no, making no, them up no, as he goes no. along. Baggage handlers. They've, they've been prepped, <laughs> um, and also it's it's an example of something that happens quite a lot through Alan's output, where he basically reads off a list of offensive terms, but he's doing it on on the on an imaginary insulter's behalf. It's always like, I mean, someone else would say this, yes. but not me. Yeah, yes. Exactly. But here's an extensive which list. Is, which <laughs> is him trying to be PC again, yeah. but just really uh, getting, getting it wrong. massively wrong. Yeah. So at this point, Alan's clearly uh, losing interest uh, in the conversation. Which happens very often. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a running theme. And uh, he realises that an anagram of Alan Partridge is Great Drain Pal. <laughs> <laughs> so his mind, really is, his mind really is wandering. Doesn't he go amazing after that? As well? <laughs> amazing. Yeah, he shouts yeah, out, a, amazing. He shouts out, uh, Fantastic, just whilst Wanda's talking, first yeah. of all. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then uh, they come back and say anal dirge prat is also an anagram. Yeah, to be honest, the, the anagrams bounce back and forth, to be honest. Poor old Glenn's involved as well, even though he's got no... Uh... I think he's quite enjoying it, though. Glenn, oh, Pond- yeah, yeah. Glenn Ponder, a.k.a. Porn Legend. Yeah, <laughs> Glenn would por- like that. Are you a porn legend, Glenn? He says, well, my boyfriend thinks so. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Alan cuts, no. cuts that off immediately. <laughs> uh, would you like to hear a, g- a few more? <laughs> he does, he does, when Glenn says that, he says, I don't want to get bogged down in a gay hornet. <laughs> he's really concerned about getting bogged down yeah. in, in uh, gay uh, scenarios yeah. uh, would you like me to run through a list of some of my favourite Alan anagrams that I've come up with hit yes, us please. I'll say what I've come up with I say, the I internet, mean, I the internet. On the internet yeah. um, I mean obviously there are hundreds but I'll go through the ones that I particularly enjoyed uh, parading alert nice garland pirate <laughs> partial danger they sound nice. like that's, that's, that could have been a name for like Alpha Papa yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alan Partridge partial, partial danger, danger. that would yeah. have worked or just Alan Partridge show ideas yeah <laughs> uh partial rag end uh <laughs> pagan real dirt gala rap tinder narrate lad pig and my favorite grandpa retail <laughs> <laughs> very good would watch grandpa yeah. retail yeah, that's <laughs> good old grandpa retail <laughs> working at foster's menswear yeah. <laughs> also uh i probably went to the same website anagram website and uh put in our names to try and get some good ones oh and I dear god absolute god. favorites so i'm gonna start with tom dark uh shat my dork <laughs> <laughs> adam brooks is a dark bosom yeah, uh, nice. thomas stab is shattered bombs <laughs> Uh, there are no anagrams for Jed Shepard it came out with, unfortunately. You got one? DJ Red Sheep. Okay, there we go. <laughs> nice. And my personal favourite, Nicholas Alder, is an anagram of anal chlorides. <laughs> oh, beautiful. It's <laughs> so unfair. Is that basically anal bleaching? That's yeah. what it sounds like. <laughs> Can you put a nice one? It's a nice one. No, anal chlorides. There was only one. Anal chlorides. It's revealed at this point that Alan's been losing a million viewers a week, yeah. which means he must have started <laughs> with over six million. Hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging viewers. Yep. Um, Although, as we've discussed, we think actually the opposite would have happened. It'd yeah. be like tune into this car crash TV. Uh, any more on uh, on uh, these two ladies and their plans to take over the show? Diddly did he? Uh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so where the next guest seems to be booked purely because of a promise Alan made 15 years ago on a Ho Seasons holiday. 
Can I ask a quick question before we, before we get further? Nick, can I ask a question here? Is this your favourite character oh, in the series? I love Cheeky Monkey. <laughs> yeah, I've got a line yeah. in my notes that says, I predict that Nick loves Cheeky Monkey. So, yeah, to clarify, it's the entrance. It's 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 the time in the spotlight for Joe Beasley and Cheeky Monkey. <laughs> can I just say, I found the next four minutes of, of this episode genuinely upsetting. Oh, <laughs> watching Watching this poor man's sort of big break fall apart yeah it's oh, great it's, well, it's he, doesn't, he doesn't get a single joke out in this like <laughs> no, nothing Alan says no he certainly starts out. one Alan <laughs> says that he raised the roof when he saw him in Bournemouth <laughs> uh, my note on this is is this perhaps based on well it could be a few things but perhaps Bob Carroll G's and Spit the Dog <laughs> I think that uh uh, Bob Carriages was very funny and very popular, but I guess the kind of, you know, character puppet. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there were a few other things like that. Obviously, I Keith Harrison Orville as well. well. It kind of starts well. So he says, here's a little joke. Right. What do you get if you cross Fred, uh, Fred Flintstone? Oh, no, 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 no. no. What if you cross? No, oh, no. Uh, what do you do? Then it says, uh, what do you get if you... Oh no no! What, what, does a, what does a Swedish? What does a Swedish Fred Flintstone say? Yabba dabba doo! No no no! He says abba dabba doo. See, there was some. Then what he says? Um, I just I feel like we like we oh, need to start translating for the listeners yeah, now. We've Nick's lost it. it. We've lost I mean, Nick. He's gone, uh, he's gone briefly let's, mindless. Let's let's dissect this joke a little bit. Okay, so <laughs> it start it starts with. What what do you get if you cross? So it's it's already <laughs> it's already one of the oldest joke forms, <laughs> and it's that wrong ex- that exists. I think I should just I think I should include some of the notes about what's going on with Cheeky Monkey in the script. So uh, after that first uh, carnage, it just simply says Joe Wiggles Monkey. <laughs> <laughs> then it says Monkey's hands unta- unattached by Velcro around Joe's neck come completely unclasped. <laughs> it's falling apart, isn't it? Oh, dear. oh poor I Joe. I love that. Obviously, in the in the training when you're when you're tr- being a ven- oh, well, uh, I say ventriloquist, <laughs> but he's cheeky, to say. cheeky monkey doesn't say anything, does no. he? No. So he's yeah. literally just a prop. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a puppeteer. Not yeah. A okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> Nick's just reading the script laughing to I mean, himself. I mean, so I mean, he's not a puppeteer, is he? Well, no. <laughs> he no. thinks he is. Um, and, but I also like the fact that it's sort of, he obviously uses Cheeky Monkey uh, uh, to, to fill for time yeah, when, yeah. He, when he's lost his... Oh, time. he's made me forget. Yeah, he's made me forget. <laughs> oh, he is a Cheeky Monkey. Just like, oh, the, he is the very cheeky. Oh, uh, I think uh, my... <laughs> I think my favourite bit is when he walks off, he throws he the monkey throws onto the floor. On the floor. <laughs> so violently. Poor cheeky. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, Nick, any other cheeky monkey script highlights? Uh, to be honest, it is a lot of more of the same. Uh, you've got Joe fails to fasten monkey's hands round, uh, round his neck and so places one of monkey's hands on his chest instead. Uh, Alan goes to take monkey. Don't touch it! Oh yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, he doesn't like that, does he? <laughs> Do you think that Alan left it too long or didn't give oh, God, or, or yeah. didn't give him he enough was time? He in the first 60 seconds. <laughs> yeah, there That's was generous. No way, there was no way he was going to bring it back. I'd say he was floundering within the first five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> so he's gone, never to be seen again. <laughs> also, Alan opens with obviously high praise about how strong the performance will be, but then closes uh, by saying, if you've got any sense of dignity, uh, you'll look at your act, which is really poor. You'll leave the stage. <laughs> and off he goes. Yeah. His career is over. Oh, cheeky monkey. Oh. Um, so we're on to the, the last the final guest. guest. Yeah, the final tragic guest uh, <laughs> um, who has had, and Alan quotes, uh, he's had more free dinners than I've had hot dinners, which I thought was actually a workable pun. That yeah. was all right. Yeah, that's good. He saved it to the end to yep. make one workable pun <laughs> after <laughs> six gruelling episodes. Uh, yeah, so this is Patrick Marber playing Forbes, Forbes McAllister. McAllister. Again, Marber playing a bit of a smarmy shit. I thought originally <laughs> he was based on Keith Floyd, but he's actually based on Michael Winner, isn't he? Uh, well, Patrick Marber said it's a it's a mix of Peter Ustinov and Michael Winner. Right. Uh, okay. Because uh, obviously it's not Michael Winner specifically because he mentions Michael uh, Winner in mm-hmm. character. Yeah, but I thought that's why they a did it. A distraction technique. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also uh, Peter Ustinov obviously is the person that Alan suggests in an earlier episode is the world's greatest living philosopher (laughs) yes alan introduces forbes and says this is the last time i'm going to do this does he mean the series or does he mean ever does he know it's coming to an end we yeah 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 because he's just interviewed the people who were taking over his spot Uh, of course he has yeah 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 yeah, 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 of course 
So, he, but already he's assuming that he isn't going to get commissioned for a second series or for another series. Well, exactly, because yeah. that's what I'm Alan Partridge is all about. Give and me it, a second series. And he's not, he's but not we even... talked about that. Thing. Did we think that Alan assumed he was getting a second series? And we said, yes, we thought he I was getting he, a second series. I think it's still to be negotiated. Or it could right. just be him naturally recognising that the series is coming to an end. Right. Yeah. Okay. But what are you suggesting? We might be overthinking it. Maybe. It's possible, mm. isn't it? Uh, actually, actually I, don't, yeah, no. I don't think so. Absolutely no. not. <laughs> but I mean, to let's summarize, spend another 10 minutes. <laughs> <on that. Yeah. laughs> to summarise, he does know that this show is not uh, going to continue, and that's before he's even shot a man through the heart. Yep. So, <laughs> Spoiler. <Or> chest. chest <laughs> <laughs> uh, Forbes calls Alan out on his moustache immediately, uh, and how much he hates it. Yep. It says he uh, looks like a Lebanese pimp. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Alan does recognise at this point that, yeah, it didn't really suit him. Although, yeah, that's obviously, that's based on the moustache which featured in a week previously. He doesn't yes, have it in it's this It's gone episode, now, yeah. yeah. Um, he, uh, and he, he brings out uh, bagpipes because he thinks that's one thing Forbes McAllister might not actually hate. I did think... He that, hates everything. He does hate everything. <laughs> Are that, you completely motivated by hate? Yes, yes I think I am. Yeah. Very uh, perceptive of you. It's weird that the bagpipes just come out though. Surely they should have been part of an up Alan's sleeve or Alan's big pocket. Part of a new regular feature. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, I think maybe he's just trying to make it a bit more of a short, snappy surprise to just get mm. them out. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, but that's kind of towards the end of the uh, tragic interview. I love when Forbes comes out, sits on the sofa, and just turns to the other guests and says, Hello, lesbians. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he also refers to Lord Byron as a big ponce with a clubfoot. Yes. Mm-hmm. Did Byron have a clubfoot? I assume so. Shall we enter the fact cave? <laughs> oh, God. Have we got time? <laughs> No, we're on a time crunch. We couldn't possibly. Uh, I've got a note from the commentary here. Forbes uh, takes his jacket off halfway through the interview. And that was deliberate so that when he gets shot, that more blood is visible on his shirt. Because otherwise the jacket would kind of mask. They've already been stung once from the uh, the failed urine that Alan used on the Wheel of Death. Marber said he was quite scared when they were filming this. Because obviously he's got quite an explosive blood plaque on the front of his chest. Mm. So I think the actual force of that going off was actually... I bit of a shock. I've hurt a little bit, and he didn't know exactly when it was going to happen. Oh, really? So I think he found uh, it quite a nervous experience shooting this scene. Yeah, plays it very well. Yeah, and it, it, it was very unexpected. I mean, yeah. nobody watching. I'm out, uh, sorry, watching. So I'm for out. the first time, you wouldn't see that that's where it was going to go. No, exactly. No. Uh, just to go uh, back to the pipers, because when Alan brings them on, he says uh, they've been on. How do they do that? Uh, does everybody remember that show? How do they do that? Yep. I, I remember when I that don't. was first being. Um, promoted I knew somebody on. wouldn't. Yeah. I remember how to. No, 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 no. Very isn't, it basically, isn't it basically the same thing? Well, how do they, they do that? How to? No, totally different shows. Yep. So how do they do that was broadcast on BBC One from 25th of January 94 to 23rd of April 97, originally presented by Jenny Holt and Des Lynham. It explored feats of engineering, organisation and special effects. Uh, each season opened with a stunt apparently performed by one of the presenters, such as a skydiver crash landing into the studio, a car chase, or the entire studio being washed away. And I do remember, I think Des Lynham did, uh, well... And he jumped out of a helicopter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that was obviously a stunt. Uh, yeah, it used to get 12 million viewers on Wednesday wow. nights. Jesus. Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights. Yeah. Big telly numbers. Uh, any update on the uh, clubfoot situation? Uh, inconclusive. Some people, <laughs> <laughs> some people believe that it was wrongly uh, he didn't have a clubfoot, and some people think that he do. Basically, I've seen conflicting reports, and I can't be bothered to do that deep into it. Fair enough. Well, thanks for that, Tom. <laughs> Lovely. Um, anything else to say before Forbes gets shot? Uh, no, no, I think that's probably worth uh, jumping to and exploring because obviously, uh, once the incident happens carnage basically breaks out yep um and i think it's interesting that obviously the first thing to happen is uh alan is very very clear it wasn't my fault it wasn't his fault i, when uh, I, uh, I, I counted uh, five seconds past before he <laughs> pr- between the gunshot and him beginning to proclaim it's not his so fault. so with the actual shooting and they do they do reference this on the commentary the gun isn't actually properly pointing at forbes uh, I've taken a video of this in slow-mo, which we'll post on the Facebook and the Twitter. You can see the gun is not at the right angle at all. It's like crime watch this. Yeah, we've, <laughs> for, for, we've forensically studied. Yep, our ballistics report yeah. says. But uh, I, I just kind of thought, I remember watching this originally and even watching it again now. It's actually quite shocking. It's so well done. It's so mm. believable because the actual gunshot effect comes kind of out of nowhere. The reactions, the screams in the studio. Quite a lot of blood as well. Yeah, like you see yeah some, there's some... actually blood splatter on mm. Alan's face. Yeah. It's I think it's actually still stands yeah, yeah. up as really really yeah. good effects and actually quite a believable moment in the show yeah. Yeah. and apart from one other acting role after this this was the last acting uh, role for uh, Patrick Marber in any was way shape or form yeah. Yeah. so according to IMDB he, he was in Knowing Me Knowing You uh, this series and then he's got one other credit after this which was as train driver in Mission Impossible 2 <laughs> <laughs> oh, I 
I have to watch that now to look out for him. Does anyone know who the man is who appears that he fires? Is that supposed to be the director? I assume it's a producer or something like that. Yeah, okay. But I love the fact he comes out and he immediately calls Alan a tosser, a tit, and a wanker. The big three. Yeah. A lot of pent up frustration and anger has finally spilled over once someone's been killed live on the production team don't particularly like him. He's he's really wanted to shout Alan and call him insults and now it's toss and they've murdered someone. Finally. Although in Alan's defence he does say he wouldn't have suffered I shot him straight through the heart. (laughs) Adam, you've been uh, checking iPartridge for bits that cover uh, this series. Is there, can we remember how he actually gets away with this moving on after knowing me knowing you? How he's actually acquitted of shooting someone through the heart? Uh, I can't actually. Adam, to the fact cave. Well, they ca- he gets arrested, obviously, and then he goes sort of and gets interviewed in the book and, you know, they take prints and everything and he's held overnight. But then they just kind of release him. I mean... They take his prints and he's got really sweaty hands. He's got really like sweaty hands, yeah. And he says at the end of the chapter in I Partridge about the death of Forbes McAllister, he says, you know, there were two victims that day. Me because of everything I went through. But Forbes McAllister is also a victim in a way because, of course, he died. <laughs> <laughs> in a way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sure. And then obviously after that, he gets the Knowing Me, Knowing Yule special, which uh, he says in the book was uh, the BBC were controlled actually obliged to fulfill <laughs> yeah i couldn't find a specific quote that addresses it but i think basically he was cleared of any wrongdoing because they were antique dueling pistols but let's so. face it this was very much a stain on his uh, career at the bbc uh, ever so slightly yeah. yeah but i'm sure the bbc will engage in uh, follow-up talks in terms of a second series yeah def- i mean yeah, why wouldn't we'll they why wouldn't <laughs> uh, in, in i partridge they actually used this ongoing investigation as an excuse to stall on uh, on giving him an answer on a second <laughs> series so, which uh, does seem fair enough when yeah. you say it's an excuse but it's a bit like you did shoot a man live yes, on air yes he did we exactly. don't want to commit to a second series just yet Alan yeah, I mean, yeah but as he would say about the Titanic there were 1,000 hours <laughs> there were several hours of, of, of stain free broadcasting sailing. yeah in the, in the first episode, nobody died. Yeah. In the second episode, <laughs> nobody <laughs> died. <laughs> in the sixth episode, someone died. died. <laughs> Very good. Uh, yes, uh, live TV, anything can happen, he says, and refers to a Blue Peter episode where an elephant pooed on the <laughs> studio floor. But he forgets that. That happened to him already. <laughs> yeah, and on the yes. first killed a man. <laughs> on the first episode, that yeah. happened. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, and then my, one of my favourite bits, he claims this is an exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> because he could probably sell it. <laughs> and, he, and he immediately forgets gets uh, Forbes McAllister's name even though he just <laughs> shot him <laughs> what, what do we think so aside from shooting a man dead live on air what what are the other major <laughs> I mean obviously there are a lot but what are the other main disasters that happen in Naomi knowing you you've got a horse shitting on the floor yep. you've got um <laughs> The horse that he can't jump. His pants. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Roger, uh, a guest doesn't end up appearing on the show. Roger Moore. Roger Moore. Turn up. Yeah. Uh, you have um, a dance troupe of men, which he was expecting women. Glenn is yeah. fired. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. He, he, his books, band. he books a punk band, thinking it's a pop band. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he basically offends everyone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everyone's offended. I mean, he's racist. In the audience. And, he's racist and homophobic. He gets beaten up by small children. Yep. Yep. The list goes on, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, um, the whole also, thing is a disaster. Forbes McAllister as well, let's remember. I mean, we d- you wouldn't know it at this point in the timeline, but he's just the first of two men who Alan has watched die. Because <laughs> you get Chris Feather later on oh, as well. Of course. Oh, yeah. 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 So much to come. His penultimate aha of the series is a, uh, a loving tribute to the waiting police. Which <laughs> 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 I thought was quite nice. And, and uh, that's, that's so well done because you see the police kind of leading, leading him out of the studio as a credits roll mm-hmm. because it was the whole conceit that it was all filmed as yeah. live. So yeah. that's all genuinely happening at the time. Yeah, They got there very fast, didn't they? <laughs> the Rosers. Yeah, they are there within seconds. <laughs> it's like, next to a camera. It's like he was, they knew he was literally a disaster waiting to happen and they've just been there the whole yeah. time. Arresting him for crimes against television. <laughs> um, a question to the group now that we're winding to the end of the series. If you had to spend a week with any one of Alan's guests, who would it be? Ooh. That's a good question. Oh, I'd go for... Uh, uh, I forget her name. Hey, I'm not Cheeky Monkey. Uh, <laughs> well, in an ideal world, it would be... If you have a whole week, he might get to the end of the joke. <laughs> it would be me and Cheeky Monkey and contestant number one in the Norwich, <laughs> in the Norwich Beauty Contest. Oh, I've got mine. Yeah, can I have contestant number three, please? Uh, I was going to go uh, Shona McGough or Daniela Forrest. Which one was Daniela Forrest? The uh, mini driver. Dan the man Forrest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can yeah. I pick my ones? Uh, can I have the two Victorian dogs, please? Oh, <laughs> yes. Of course, the yes. dogs. Come and visit me and Cheeky Monkey, though, so I can say hello. Uh, is it time to look at the IMDb stats for this yeah, final episode? I think it is, yeah. How? So this is the highest rated in the whole series, 8.2 out of 10. I think that's that's fair. fair. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, and that is from 64 reviews Ooh, on, uh, on IMDb. So back up, yeah, for the final series. So um, on the whole, if you average out the ratings across the series, that is 7.8 out of 10. And how does that compare then to I'm Alan Partridge? I'm Alan Partridge. Series 1 was, was 8.65 out of 10 and Series 2 was 8.58 out of 10. So I think I'd broadly agree. Yeah, but quite substantially lower than uh, than the nine like partridge but the, the mainstream might might see it as yeah potentially and i mean when we were doing the research for the show we were sort of talking on whatsapp and i thought we kind of had a bit of a group consensus that this was a bit weaker than the the series although re-reviewing i don't feel that i've enjoyed it yeah i think it's mm. more i just think i've rewatched i'm alan partridge uh so many more times yeah. but actually re-watching the series i really enjoyed it because i don't think it was uh, kind of in my memory so yeah. clearly yeah. Mm. and I think there are some absolute comedy gold moments I think there was in every only, episode do you I think, think it's that thing that, that you always prefer like the bands from when you were growing up and so yeah. I'm Alan Partridge is the one we probably all watched yeah. most yeah, yeah, yeah. the first time round yeah and also I think it's a sitcom so you have returning characters there's character development you spend a lot more time yeah. with them whereas this yeah, is a very high churn of, of, of new characters and new people yep. and you don't really get sort of mm. much much deeper than the surface. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I would say that I think I'm Alan Partridge is the better series. Yes. but I mean, this is not as inferior as I think no, we no, were no. perhaps thinking it might be until we came back to. I think the only one I really struggled with was episode three. I thought that was uh, the poorest episode out of all of them. And I, I think we all agreed on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so did <laughs> Armando Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so great. There you go. We're all, yeah. all, all on a par there. Yeah. So that's fine. <laughs> cool. Um, okay, well, if there's nothing else for this episode, it's time for the final round of Cards Against oh, Alanity. Oh God, I've got to pull this back. Can Nick equal Tom yeah, Dark's record? He can, only draw, he can only draw level. <laughs> and can me or Adam be. get on the scoreboard? Yes. <laughs> and can I come up with a tiebreaker in time <laughs> yeah. for this round? Okay, back in. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. A second. Okay, so for the final round of Cards Against Alanity, everyone's got their phrases. Everyone needs an incomplete sentence from this episode uh, to complete as best they can with the cards they have left. The sentence this time is, do you want a space hopper, a Meccano set, or do you want blank? So Ooh, I might have this. I've got no... Uh, I, could, I could do okay with this one. Very, Ooh, very confident. confident. Oh, there. Okay, oh, maybe not oh. confident, but it's, it's okay. He's backtracking. Okay. He's, okay. he's, he's backtracking. Okay, pick out your favourites. Pass them to Jed. He's just had a look. He has picked his favourite. I'm going to read them out. We'll ping his bell for the right one. Remember, Come on, need to get on the scoreboard here. Tom Stab and myself are both on zero and desperate to climb the bottom rung of the Cards Against Solanity <laughs> ladder. Come on. Tom Dark is uh, sitting pretty with three. Nick has two, so could still I mean, draw if, level. if one of you gets a point, you're in third place, so you're on go. the podium. That's important. Do you want a space hopper, a Meccano set, or do you want a bloodbath? Do you want a space hopper, a Meccano set, or do you want a moth banquet? Yeah! <laughs> oh, Tom Dark again. <laughs> Unbelievable. In your face. He's taken it. Uh, okay, At least other... he's a good winner, isn't he, Tom yeah. Dark? <laughs> so humble. Very so humble. It's so a triumph. The other two were, do you want a space hopper, a Meccano set, or do you want two Victorian dogs, 
Or do you want a space hopper, a Meccano set, or do you want the futility of mortality? So there we go. That brings us to the end of uh, this round of Cards Against Solanity and also this series of Aww. Monkey Tennis. So thanks so much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks so much for joining us while we discuss uh, Knowing Me, Knowing You. Don't forget, we're going to be doing Knowing Me, Knowing You live on stage at the Prince Charles Cinema in London's Leicester Square on Wednesday, November the 22nd. Join us. And uh, make sure you arrive early as we'll be recreating a uh, fatal shooting uh, through the heart with some dueling antique pistols. Did you clarify if you're getting Boaster Biscuits for it, Adam? Uh, I will get up to four Boaster Biscuits. We are are working on uh, the appearance of Alan's Big Pocket and some Victorian dogs as well. Please get Victorian dogs. Got promising things. <laughs> a Cirque de Clune available? Yeah. Uh, no, but it will be a lot of Cheeky fun. And we look forward to seeing as Cheeky many... Cheeky Monkey's very available. <laughs> we look forward to seeing as many Alan fans in one place as we possibly can fit. Uh, so please do grab your tickets. It sold out in advance last time, so we would not like anyone to miss out. If you want to catch up with us in the meantime, or you've got any questions or complaints, uh, then uh, it's the part... <laughs> Why do you always flag send us complaints? <laughs> it's important to get constructive <laughs> criticism. And much uh, like Alan, we cannot take those criticisms. No. <laughs> we'll ignore it. <laughs> thepartridgepod at gmail.com on twitter it's at thepartridgepod or facebook.com slash thepartridgepod in terms of our plans there's obviously the live show and we'll be looking at the rest of Alan's output over the coming months uh, if you want to uh, follow us on the socials we'll make sure we give you plenty of warning when we're going to be back with more episodes of Monkey Tennis but for on that fatal bombshell it's time to say goodbye so uh, thanks so much for listening and subscribing liking uh, we really appreciate it and we uh, love to get to see all your feedback uh, from myself and the Monkey Tennis team thank you goodbye and aha. Aha! Bye! Thanks a lot. Monkey Tennis is a post-pop podcast produced by Jed Shepard. The artwork's by Dave McNamara, and the theme is an excerpt of the Black Beauty theme, Galloping Home, by Dennis King. To find out more about the records and podcasts made by post-pop, head to postpoprecords.com. Monkey Tennis? You better believe it, babe. There's a new chat in town. Monkey tennis? Ice white shoes, ice white socks with navy blue double cadet strong. Aha! Monkey tennis? I've just been told that Roger Moore is at Chiswick Roundabout. Monkey tennis? Oh, what the heck? Rock and roll, it's all of a pair! Monkey tennis? Yes, I am in a jacuzzi sipping spunt. Alan, 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 Alan. And on that bombshell. Monkey tennis? Aha! Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.